Chapter Seven of Countdown by Kurt Becker, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Nineteen. Autumn passed swiftly, and winter came. The winds howled down the great plains from Canada, chill and cutting, bringing leaden skies that never quite fulfilled their promise of rain. School settled to a routine, and the basketball squad was cut to twenty boys, with Ned winning a job as a regular forward. He was tall and agile, light on his feet, and strong enough to play a whole game at top speed, without slowing up noticeably. Owen never said anything about the incident with Robson Kingsley, but Ned was positive he knew, and disapproved of it. With typical indirectness, Owen insisted that Ned must under no circumstances let basketball interfere with his study. To Ned, brought up among books and gifted with a first-class memory, this was easy. He did so well, as a matter of fact, that first Walter and then others had long ago fallen into the habit of calling him Brain. Then Owen thought it might be a good idea if Ned were to get a part-time job after school and earn some of his spending money. A man not to spend only what he earns. This was obviously intended to keep the boy from playing basketball. Ned merely nodded. Later he talked the matter over with Mike. Since Owen had not said explicitly that he should work every afternoon, they consulted Mr. Allen, the school principal, and arranged for Ned to act as tutor to a group of a dozen or so younger students who were having trouble with their studies. Each boy paid him a dollar an hour for two hours of work a week on Wednesday afternoon. There was no basketball practice on Wednesday since the gym was being used for other things. Ned also got a job helping out at the service station on Route 87 on Saturdays, and this paid him another eight dollars. I don't know why Owen insists that I work, Ned told Father Carson. The only thing I ever spend money on is books and an occasional soda, and Miss Deebs gets me the books through the library, so I get them at a big discount. He just doesn't want me to play basketball for some reason, only I can't figure out what the reason is. The reason, said the priest realistically, is simply that your uncle is getting as thick as thieves with Forrest Sherlock Kingsley, and Kingsley doesn't love you any more since you disgraced his son in public. I did no such thing, Ned retorted. I merely slapped him with a towel in the relative privacy of the gym because he knocked a cripple down, and I was angry. Do you blame me? No, the priest answered. As a matter of fact, I'd have been sorely tempted to mop up the floor with him. But that's the way the ball bounces. I can't understand why anybody's making such a big production of the thing, that's all. Simple, my boy. It involves the great Kingsleys. You don't like them, do you? They belong, the priest said slowly, to another persuasion. I pray for them daily. I remember them by name every morning at Mass. And the answer to your question is, no, I don't like them. Why do you suppose they came back? My guess would be that their return has something to do with best. You mean Kingsley's interested in silicate testing? For a moment the priest looked at him blankly. Silicate testing? He said slowly. His face puzzled. Sil, oh, of course, that article Huzitz wrote. Ned, let me tell you something in confidence. Best doesn't have anything to do with silicates, except maybe very remotely. Best stands for Baldwin Enterprises Space Travel. What that reporter saw was the machinery they were getting together so they could start working. Trask figured that if he made the work sound complicated enough and dangerous enough, it would keep away a lot of busybodies so they did a beautiful snow job on that poor guy. Actually, Baldwin's building a spaceship there. Come on, Father. Fact. So help me. I ought to know. I'm chaplain of the project. 
Where do you think I've been going all these weeks? I told you very distinctly that I'm chaplain at Baldwin's. Didn't you understand? No, I guess I didn't. I thought Baldwin's was a town around here somewhere. You know, I've never left Hillstown since I came, except to go to Amarillo and Dumas a few times, and once to Dalhart. Big deal. There could be dozens of places around here named Baldwin's, for all I know. Are you really serious? They're building a spaceship behind that fence? I'm serious, all right. I'm grim, in fact. Didn't you read yesterday's paper? Don't you ever listen to the radio or look at your Uncle Owen's TV set? Does the word Sputnik strike a chord? Sure, I heard all about that, and I heard all they said about Vanguard and the Rockets and Cape, what's-its-name in Florida, and Von Braun and Wallalay and the rest of it. But a spaceship? How big is it? What does it look like? Can you get me in to see it? Whoa, boy, back up a bit there. I don't know what it looks like. They're building it in a closed-off section, and I doubt if I can get you in. This is pretty secret stuff, you know. I've told you this in the strictest confidence, Ned. You're not to mention this to a soul, understand? Not Walt, nor Mike, nor anybody. Is that clear? Right, Ned nodded. Not a word. Then he looked at the priest for a long moment. Will you try to get me in to see it? All right, I'll ask. Only I wouldn't count on it if I were you. Sure, Ned agreed slowly. I won't count on it, but it sure would be something. A real spaceship. Judas Rip, will it work, do you think? I don't see why not. They're putting all sorts of money and all sorts of brains into it down there, and they're pretty sure they can do it. I wouldn't be at all surprised if they can. In fact, I'd be surprised if they didn't. Remember, not a word. Right, Ned nodded again. Not a word. It was only when he went to bed that night, still turning the amazing news over in his mind, that Ned remembered. He hadn't asked what connection there could possibly be between the Kingsley's return to Hillstown and Best. End of chapter 7